You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. And welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper. Hey, Cliff, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Tim. Guess what? Tell me. We finally have got some CFL action, like real CFL action to talk about this week. That's true. That's true. I mean, even with the whole COVID thing that, that's happening right now, and obviously, first and foremost, from uh, Cliff and myself to everybody out there, whether you are friends or family or, or just part of people who, are, who know somebody. Uh, or anybody who's part of the uh, the CFL uh, podcast network, we, we wish you all the health that you can have because um, this thing is it's taking a toll on everybody. And um, we just hope that our shows are able to uh, allow you to escape even just for a little bit. Right, Cliff? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's kind of tough because we're kind of behind the scenes. We've been kind of going back and forth as to what we want to do with the podcast, because again, we're kind of limited to what we can do because as it stands right now, so much is up in the air when it comes to the CFL and yeah. the 2020 season. So we've kind of had to pivot a little bit with what we wanted to do, but there's certain things that we've been able to do kind of behind the scenes and we'll be releasing those out in due time. And we're pretty excited about some of the interviews we've done recently. Oh yes. Uh, I mean, we're we're just about to scratch the surface. And as far as I'm concerned, we're not going to let COVID stop us from still producing an entertaining podcast. So buckle up, folks. We, we're not going anywhere. We are here to provide as much fun, as much Alouette's football talk as possible. We are here to entertain you. So grab your popcorn and... Let's have some fun. That's right. <clears throat> do up, do up your belts and put and put your uh, your your trays in the upright position. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, just uh, talk a, talk a couple of things here before we get to what we're because we're going to be talking about the draft. We got the draft. It may not be on the scale that the NFL one was. Considering, man, did you you heard how 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 it basically set records? It's just absolutely mind boggling what it was able to do in this basically in this new, you know this new time and, and age that we live in where. They've had to reinvent things, but it, it seemed to do well. Um, but uh, it's a couple of things that, that came across, and I, I, want, I want to know what your thought was. Um, and uh, I have to at least ask. Um, so what's your thought about Rod Black getting on Twitter? <laughs> wow. I mean. <laughs> it's, it, as of today, as of today as we're taping, he's now on Twitter. That Man, I, I hope he's ready. That's all i got to say is I hope he's ready. Cause, I mean. Listen, Rob, Rod Black's a very polarizing figure. You either love him or you hate him. I, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of in-between when it comes to him. So, I mean, I, I actually had to laugh. Uh, one of the, my tweets the other day was like, I'm, I'm so desperate to watch CFL football, I'd be willing to watch a game full sound with Rod Black yeah, on it. I saw that. <laughs> wow. I saw that. For, and that really struck a nerve with a lot of people because I think a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm so desperate for CFL. I want to. I'd be willing to listen to Rod Black too. Like, so if if, all, if Rodzilla gets online and he sees those comments, he's like, "Hey, what? What?" So does this mean now? Whatever time that we actually reference him on Twitter, you know, and and put him, put his actual hashtag in, in a in a tweet that we had to put uh, that we had to put hashtag drink because we know that we know there's a we know there's a game out there. We, everybody knows that there's a Rod Black drinking game out there. 
But does this mean yeah. whenever we reference him in a tweet, we have to put drink? I don't see why not. And, and if I were Rod, I'd be kind of honored when you think about it. I mean, like, not everybody's got a drinking game now named after them or in <laughs> honor of them. So roll with it, man. Like, that's how I'd look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I will admit I thought that was pretty funny when it when it came out, and I, and I know because it's his his actual um, his TSN Twitter uh, account. You know, it's not technically his personal account. If it had been his personal account, I would have put hashtag drink in his description. You know, I would have done that. He didn't because, as I said, he wants to be professional. But I would have put hashtag drink. But still, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm sure he'll take that under advisement. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, um, I think you've had a, a couple of, uh, of chances to, to play. I don't think you, you've, you're just really watching from afar, but, uh, we want to thank the guys over at uh, Piffles pod, uh, for doing their trivia contest. It, it's actually a great way for everybody to get together. And I know he puts a lot, you know, I know, uh, Siphon might puts a lot of, uh, uh, work into it and, uh, you know, what better way it's, it, it's better than, you know, it's a cool way of social distancing, I guess. Just uh, trying to guess and get as many points as you can for uh, when it comes to CFL trivia. Yeah, and again, as far as getting your CFL fix uh, during the off season, that's always a, a bit of a challenge. And thankfully, you know, the Canadian Football Podcast Network definitely tries to provide some breaks uh, in the monotony. Mm-hmm. But uh, events like this, especially too with everything that's going on right now, I mean, people are still talking about CFL online. People are still wanting to be a part of the league and yeah. want they want the news they want the talk they yeah. want everything that goes with it and this trivia event every week with the piffles gang I, i'm i'm so glad they're doing it because yeah a lot of people are they're into it they're getting on and just to see really just how much people know about this league it's it's refreshing it's exciting and it's just fun like just good clean fun and yeah uh, props to these guys for organizing this every week uh unfortunately uh, i don't know if we'll, we'll be able to hop on because we're kind of doing our show right now <laughs> while the and that should be going on any minute now but uh i mean definitely folks if you haven't had a chance to check it out go check out piffles pod and hey if you match up with the best of the best as far as i'm concerned when it comes to cfl fans go on there show your stuff show your knowledge and uh have some fun with it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, also, uh, on Alouette's kind of Alouette's news, we want to at least bring up. Um, it was mentioned in uh, Kahari's, um, uh, I guess, uh, uh, online uh, uh, press presser, and then I, I think a little bit with maybe maybe Machocha's this past week too. Uh, is the uh, subject of S.J. Green? Um, S.J. Green. Uh, basically said that uh, he would love to be able to, to play in Montreal for one last season before he retired. And um, I, I, I don't know how you feel about this, Cliff, but I, I, kind of, I kind of expected the answers that we got from, especially from that were shown in the media when it came to Kahari. And, but I didn't hear much when it came to, uh, uh, from uh, Danny Mack. But uh, what, what were your thoughts on, on him saying that? Well, uh, definitely interesting for sure. Uh, and, of course, all, all the... Alouette's fans are a flutter because of the idea that the idea that one SJ ne- should have never left in the first place. And again, that was not of his choosing, of course. Uh, so the idea of him kind of coming back and doing a, a sort of farewell tour, if you will, obviously he's got a lot of fans excited and, yeah. you know, wanting, wanting this to happen. Uh, the Alouette's brass though, on the other hand, uh, they seem kind of lukewarm to the idea, which I understand because they're not beholden to SJ. They weren't in 
their positions of power when S.J. Green was with the Montreal Alouette, so they don't have that affinity towards him necessarily. I mean, obviously, they've got to have major respect for everything he's done in the Canadian Football League, but they don't have that sort of romantic notion that uh, Alouette's nation would have for S.J. So I, I, I can appreciate how they would... They, they've been very noncommittal as far as whether or not they'd be looking at bringing S.J. back into the fold. Uh to tell you the truth, I, I look at our receiving core as to what we've got right now, and as great it was, as great as it would be for Escher to come back and do that, you know, final victory lap, if you will, with the Alouettes and have him retire as an Alouette, uh, uh, it would be cool. But at the same time, I look at our receiving core, I look at the young receivers that are on this team, and you'd be bumping one of them off yeah. for SJ. Yeah, and. Can we really afford to do that? Is what I'd be asking. Like, well, that's that's that is funny you say that, and I know you meant to, I know how you said it, but that is actually the way to think. Can we afford to have him? And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Coach Kahari actually said the exact same thing. I think it was mentioned in the press also. There may be a cap issue currently. You know, I mean, we got the the draft coming up also. Um, we know SJ; he's worth his money. He is worth his money. Um, but mm-hmm. I kind of agree with you is that you look at some of the guys that we signed in the off season, some of the guys that we brought in through free agency and the guys that we currently have coming back from injury and that are still currently on the active roster. We, we have a plethora of guys. And the thing is, is that do you, you know, do you keep an SJ on the active roster and you put another guy on the practice roster where at all possibility is you and I both know when it comes to CFL rules, he can, this that person can be plucked off the off the practice roster in a heartbeat, and we would mm-hmm. totally lose him, you know, to to another team. Right. So, I I think I would love to have Estrade myself. Um, I'm wondering what will happen this year if the CFL does not play. I am wondering if he will if he would retire, and then maybe the Owls are bringing him back in a similar situation that they did uh, to um, uh, to Mike Pringle. You know that one day that one day contract. Uh, you remember him coming out. It looks so weird him coming out in the original Alouette's uniforms, but with them having their <laughs> new uniforms on. But still, it was still cool the way that it was. But um, right. yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think we have. It's hard to say. You know, for the first time, you know, for, in a while, we're loaded at good wide receivers, guys who want to be able to prove themselves, and and then with the possibility of what the season may be, um, you know, we want to make sure these guys get a uh, a true look. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, like a lot of these guys, and I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to be ageist here, but uh, again, SJ is not a young man. Uh, I mean, he's he's played in this league for close to a decade now. Whereas a lot of these young receivers that we have, like first year, second year, third year players, like these are guys that their careers are just getting started or just starting to blossom. Yeah. Whereas SJ, yes, we are, we know what we get with SJ. We we know he's still playing at a very high level. But at the same time, we're also not getting the SJ Green necessarily of 2009-2010 that won a great cup with the Alouettes. Do we, at what point do we want to mortgage the future for essentially what would be uh, like a, you know, a fairy tale run, so to speak, or reunion <laughs> well, tour? Well, you know what? It, it, at least we'd probably get more out of them than we did with the Johnny Manziel thing. You talk about mortgaging our future. <laughs> cool. Well, you're, you're not wrong there. <laughs> and listen, that that's definitely not a move I would have made. But, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. 
the thing is, though, at the end of the day, I mean, if without question, when SJ's time comes that he decides to truly call it a career, there's no question in my mind that this Alois organization will celebrate him. They will bring him back. They will give the fans a chance to salute him and give him the proper send off that he so richly deserves. And I'd say retire his number. Uh, uh, I would say he, in my honest opinion, if you look at it, what he did as an Alouette, come on, Cliff. You don't, you, you actually, uh, of the guys that are currently up there, you know, beside, you know, do you not think he, he is in the same, come on, look at all the wide receivers that we've had since SJ's been here or before SJ came here. You know, besides Cahoon, who else do you, in your opinion, would you retire the jersey of besides SJ? That's tough because, I mean, when it comes to retiring jerseys, I mean, that, that is a rarefied error. And, I mean, I think back to Brian Chu. He played 13 years all with the Alouettes. His number is not retired. Yet. Yet, you're right. But, I mean, he's also been retired for close to a decade now. I know, I know. But also, you, you, you know, look at the guys who are currently up there. I mean, it's... You and I both know when it comes to if you're on the O line or you're on the D line, you know, unless you really made a huge impact, you do kind of get looked over more than you would if you were a quarterback or a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And take a look at John Bowman. Like he's not retired yet, no. but I mean, he's also to it coming to that point where eventually he'll be retired. And then he'll, 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 that be, discuss- he'll be up there. We'll, we'll be in that discussion as well. And again, same idea. He's played, uh, what, I think, 11 or 12 seasons with the Alouettes, going, or he's going into his 12th. No, sorry, 13th season with the Alouettes, uh, if he does play this year. Uh, but when he retires, like he'll have only played for the Alouettes. He's played a decade plus. Uh, he's won Great Cup championships. That's another name. Like, it, Would you retire the number seven as well? I mean, these are other— uh, Oh, Bowman, for sure. I, in a heartbeat. To me, in a heartbeat. I'd have no problem with that. Just look, just look what he's done. Just look at his name. You know, look at mm-hmm. his stats. I know it's more than stats. I know it's more than stats. But— it's, it's more than stats. It's more than championships. I mean, there's a whole lot that goes into it. And yeah, I, I, but again, like this is, but this is the situation too. It's like you can only retire so many numbers, truthfully. So. Oh, I know. I know that. Yeah, but, but, to, but to be honest though, Cliff, do you, can you think of another wide receiver that is more uh, deserving than SJ to potentially have his number retired? Wide receiver. I know you brought up two, but I was just trying to get you to stick on wide receiver. Right. No, no I, I get what you're saying. And honestly, no, I, I would be hard pressed to think of anyone else that would come even close to what SJ has meant to the Alouette's organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I said, we'll see. We don't know what we don't know what the team's going to do. But, you know, um, I would love to have him back. But uh, as you said, not at not at uh, the, the, the team's uh, expense. So, yeah, I, like to me, it doesn't make sense to tell a, a young hotshot rookie with tons of potential and incredible physical gifts you know what now we're, we're just we're, we're gonna bench you and we're gonna give this proven veteran but still veteran who is not you know not your age and uh possibly not your your skill level we're gonna give him the opportunity you should be having like i i couldn't mm-hmm. i i can't see the team doing that and ex- working working properly i just i just have a very hard time with it and i, I don't want this to come across as a a criticism of SJ because I love the guy. I absolutely I do. do. I, yeah, I have one of his jerseys for Christ's sake. Yeah, I, I mean, I've we we've both known him for a long time now, and like I said, he definitely deserves all the the props, all the recognition, without question. It's just at this point, and in 2020, does it make sense overall to have SJ Green 
in a starting spot for the Alouettes. It's a weird, and that, it's that, a weird season, though. Twenty, it's, it's really weird too because twenty twenty is a weird, going to be a weird season. If there it's is a, a weird season. year, yeah, oh yeah, weird year. <laughs> so, um, last thing we will talk about um, before we get to our interview and start talking about the draft that's coming up. Um, I have to at least ask this because I'm curious to know what your thought is. And I ha- actually happened to reach out to the Alouettes about this idea. Um, you know, obviously with the whole COVID thing going on, um, you know, they there are some, these new you know products that are coming out left, right, and center when it comes to you know certain masks that you have to wear, whether they're made out of cloth or they're made out of this or that. Um, just and it sort of piqued my interest when I saw this, and that's why I, I actually uh, emailed the Alouettes. Is that you know, the NFL and the NHL and Major League Baseball uh, partnered with this one company in the States, and they're going to be selling up to three, three different types of, uh, of the cloth masks that people would be able to wear to, I guess, you know, to rep their team during, you know, I, I guess, any, you know, any sports is something, I guess, in these days. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and then I started looking at the other at the other teams and I didn't see any. And I, I reached out to the Alouettes and, you know, saying, hey, are you guys thinking of doing this yourself? Now, before I tell you their before my their response, I, I think I this is a silly question even asking you. But if you had the chance to buy one, Cliff, would you? It's I don't know. To tell you the truth, I don't know because I'll, I'll be completely honest. I haven't been wearing a face covering because I. It sounds silly to say, but I guess I don't feel I need to. I mean, I do take the, obviously the natural precautions when going out. I mean, obviously, you know, washing your hands, social distancing, doing all the important things. I mean, I do not go out at all. I mean, I, I go to work, I come home, I wait to go back to work, essentially. Like that is that is my life right now. And I think that's the life for pretty much a lot of people nowadays. Uh, I definitely think the, the, the idea of having a face covering to be for fans to be able to purchase and wear to help rep their team. I'm all for that. I definitely think it's a cool idea. I definitely think, uh, again, and who's to say that if, God forbid, we do actually get football back, if one of the conditions of going to football games or any sort of public gatherings, uh, in addition to the social distancing and and whatnot, maybe one of those things is that if you go out in public, you do have to, or if you're going to be in an arena or stadium or something like that, you have to have a proper face covering. Yep. In which case... Yeah, it, it makes total sense to sell these things to fans so that they can participate in the event and respect people's personal spaces and also respect the regulations set forth by whether it's the government or the Canadian Football League or any of these other governing bodies is telling us basically how to live our lives nowadays. Yeah. Uh, to me, I, I I think it would be very cool. I mean, I uh, as a general rule, as I said, I'm not one that's going to be – I don't – see myself wearing masks on a daily basis but if you pretty much tell me okay if you want to go watch alouette's games at percival molson stadium you have to be wearing a face covering then yeah i would definitely go out and buy one of these and help wrap the team i mean just just to me it makes total sense it's to me it would be no different than wearing a you know an alouette's baseball cap or wearing your jersey or any sort of other paraphernalia yeah and and i get that too but i think my thought more or less is to with the the current status that we're in it may be the new norm say for instance if we fly you know if if we're going to be flying in the future that may be the new norm because you know like in new york right now you have to wear one if you if you go outdoors even if you're going to go and you know and shop and Mm -hmm. the same thing now i think air canada with air canada it's mandatory you have to wear some sort of face covering if I'm not mistaken, I believe in New York City as well. If you're going to be getting into an Uber or a taxi yeah. or even taking the subway, 
or Metro, as we call it here in Montreal, yeah. then you have to have a face covering as well. And I get that. And if that's the case, if, if that if those are the rules, if that's what's if that's what society is saying, that's the best way to help keep ourselves safe. Then, yeah, it, why not do that rather than just wearing a plain old the boring face covering? If you get a chance to rep your team. Why wouldn't you? As right. far as I'm concerned, I, I think it'd be a very cool idea. I think the the other thing too is that you know any money ma- uh, made from the proceeds could go towards which I think would make the Alouettes and the CFL look good. Is it? It would go towards you know a food bank or something like that. Yeah, food bank or to to local hospitals or any sort of relief funds or anything of that nature. Absolutely. I mean, there's certainly no shortage of charities that could definitely benefit from something like that. And again, these masks don't have to cost a fortune to make as long as they, they they meet the guidelines in order to help protect those who are wearing them exactly yeah, I, and i as i said i did reach out to them and i actually got a positive answer and they did say that they are they actually are looking into it very so, cool long story start. uh breaking news that has just come out and I'm, I'm not joking with you very rare that we're taping a podcast that we have breaking news uh according oh. to cjd and and the canadian press um uh and through global Global news. The Canadian Football League is asking the federal government for up to $150 million in financial assistance due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, my. Let me, wow. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to go to the story here. As I said, this is breaking news as we're taping the show. So if you've already seen this on social media, bear, you know, you probably know a little bit more, more than what we're talking about. Uh, let me see if there's any, any more news here. And I do apologize. Um, uh, real quick synopsis, Cliff. Um, uh, Canadian Football Commissioner, Canadian Football League Commissioner Randy Ambrosi told the Canadian Press on Tuesday that the league's proposal involves three phases: thirty million now to manage the impact of COVID nineteen outbreak as as had uh, outbreak has had on league business, additional assistance for an abbreviated regular season, and up to one hundred and twenty million in the event of a lost twenty twenty campaign. Wow. The CFL hasn't hasn't given up on staging a 2020 season, but it has postponed the start of training camps, which were to open next month. Uh, it is mm-hmm. also he, it it has also and what does this is bad English, bad. Anyways, we, we talk about this. You know, it's, season was supposed to start in June. Oh, sorry, the training camp is in June. Regular season, sorry, regular season in June. It has been pushed back. Um, many provincial governments already have said that that there will not be sports events with large crowds this summer. So, breaking news as we're doing this podcast. Um, I ask you this, and then we'll get, get to our interview, because I, I know it's, it's the main reason why we're doing the show. What's your thought on that, Cliff? Wow. I mean, definitely it's... Again, this this is where things are at right now as far as the Canadian Football League, because there is just so much uncertainty right now, especially, too, trying to work with... CFL cities and their their respective governments as far as uh, their any sort of rules and regulations in regards to uh, public gatherings, social gatherings, whatever you want to call it. I mean, as it stands right now, especially in Montreal, things for the most part are pretty well shut down as far as public outings go pretty much until the end of August, which would pretty much lead to the CFL's fledgling idea of possibly starting the season on Labor Day weekend. Right. So it would tie into that, but again, an abbreviated season means less games, less revenue, uh, less opportunities for players too. So everybody's going to be taking a hit with this if they go through with it. And we we're still hoping against you know that there, you know 
we still get some form of football as opposed to out and out canceling the season. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is one of those measures that uh, the Canadian Football League has to take, has to at least make the effort to try and protect themselves. And I mean, this is this is just where we are right now. I mean, yeah. it's it, now, a lot of people have said that uh, if the Canadian Football League does cancel their season, like that is going to that that will have a major major impact on things going forward in the future, as far as uh, league operations and team operations go. Uh, I mean, wow. I mean, like this is just I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around. This, I know, to be honest I with know, you. and it's uh, you know. I, I hate doing that, but when you have breaking news like that, especially with the current situation that we're in, I had to at least bring it up. Now, my last question to you before we get to our interview with Farhan Lalji um, about the about the draft. Um, do you okay? Obviously, the the federal government did put forward some money recently when it came to uh, I think cultural act uh, was it cultural activities, sports, etc. I think that probably was on the local level. Do you think the CFL should be receiving some sort of money because when you look at what they did in the u.s if i'm not mistaken some businesses similar to that even though a lot of them did give it back some of them did receive some sort of some sort of uh financial assistance do you think the cfl is should be getting financial assistance to help with this well they would definitely qualify as small businesses especially based on the example that was given uh like we found out that the los angeles lakers were actually given i think it was like four million dollars as a result of the uh, U.S.'s uh, economic recovery plan, yeah. and for some reason they qualified. Well, they qualified as a small business because of uh, certain guidelines. So it, by by letter of the law, they do qualify as a small business. But you think about the Los <laughs> Angeles Lakers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are a billion dollar billion with a B operation, yeah. and the fact that I just can't see them necessarily needing that uh, four million dollar handout. I mean, it's hard to turn down four million dollars. Don't get me wrong, but. On the surface, you have to look at it and like, does this team, does this organization really need a handout? Whereas Canadian Football League, yeah, they, they they could definitely use a handout. I mean, especially a lot of the teams, the way they operate and, and that, I mean, just some of them are just barely breaking even or I, I don't think anyone's op- necessarily operating in the red, but I mean, they are close. I mean, that's, that's just a, the, the reality of where things are here in Canada. I mean, unfortunately, some places, yeah, the CFL is booming and makes business big bank business other cities not so much so in, in cases like this i mean like this is definitely a very unusual circumstance having this covid19 and just how it's affecting everybody like literally everybody is being affected by this yeah. pandemic yeah uh, cfl teams obviously it would be no different so uh, under these circumstances i'd say they do qualify and definitely i i, I think to be able to operate at Pretty much, or maybe not so much necessarily to go beyond, but just maintain the status quo, if you will. Mm-hmm. I, I think this uh, being allocated funds like this would definitely be a, a welcome relief, if you will, or even a shot in the arm to sort of know that at least they can sort of maintain things the way they have been, and if they can keep things, you know, keep things on an even keel as much as possible. As far as I'm concerned, like that's something that. Definitely the Canadian government should be looking at uh, the provincial government, municipal, what have you. Because at the end of the day, they, all nine CFL teams, like they help make this league and they help make things stronger. Like you are only as strong as your weakest link. And yeah, yeah. if one team is failing, the other eight teams have to pick Pop them up, up. And, yeah. and and move it along. Especially too, if you want that 10th team in uh, in the Maritimes. As far as I'm concerned, they're going to need that uh, 
something like this as well, because I mean, if you want CFL football in the Maritimes, there's a lot of things that are going to have to fall into place for it financially. So if the Canadian government can show that they, they do believe in such institutions like the Canadian football league and making sure that they do maintain, not necessarily thrive or obviously they wouldn't falter, but I mean, if they can just, as I said, maintain that status quo to keep everything, you know, running as smoothly as possible under these circumstances, then yeah, I, I definitely think that the, uh, I definitely think it would be a huge benefit for, for not just the teams themselves, but really, truly for every CFL fan as well. Yeah. And I, I don't know how, you know, we're too early into it. I don't know what to think. Uh, you know, I want I want the, them to get some some sort of uh, financial assistance. Um, you know, it's, the, the, the people who have so far been, been commenting on the on the on the actual tweet from CJD. Um, oh God! Don't read the comments. <laughs> no, no, no. It's basically no. they're basically saying no, not not to give it to them. But then again, you, you do. I'm wondering if the CFL is doing this, doing it this way, uh, and and the commissioner is putting it out in the media now because I am wondering if it's already fait complet, and they are going to get the money, but they just want the CFL to technically quote unquote take the heat. Hmm. Interesting. Never thought of it like that, but. Uh... Because because if if the if you, you come on you got to admit how much flack or how much more flack the federal government and Justin Trudeau would get if they uh, just all of a sudden announced it. Yeah, I mean, again, it's not. I, I wouldn't put it on par with uh, like what's going on down in the southern United States as far as uh, certain businesses be considered essential businesses, like WWE, for example. Yeah, don't, I don't, don't think it'd be quite on. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started on that. No, no. I mean, that, I've, heard whole, I've heard the whole story. Don't get me started. No, I, and I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dare to put the Canadian Football League on par with that. I mean, I, I'm sorry. At the end of the day, the Canadian Football League is not an essential service. But at the same time, it is a Canadian business. It is a Canadian institution, and if it can still continue to operate and thrive, to me, that just benefits all Canadians, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um. Obviously, stay apprised of social media. Uh, just to get more information and see what happens. Um, maybe we're going to have an announcement over the next couple of days. Who knows? But uh, as I said, I think this was I think this was done in such a way where it was a preemptive thing rather than a reactive thing. So, but we'll we'll continue with that. Um, as we we're trying to get to before this uh, breaking news, that uh, the draft is coming up this week, and it's one of Cliff's most fun times of the year. Um, if you haven't caught his, uh, his, uh, CFL pre draft preview, you have to do so go over to alternative, his alternative, alternative page to take a, a quick read. And you know what? Read that and listen to the, to, to this interview that we're about to, that we're about to have. Uh, and on the uh, line with us now is a gentleman who knows the CFL very well. And what better way to have, have him come in and talk about the draft that's coming up for the CFL. Uh, on the line with us now, TSN's Farhan Lalji. Hey, Farhan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. My pleasure. Um, obviously, we've seen with what's happening with the CFL, they're going to be having their, you know, your at-home um, draft coming up. Um, from far as you know, just, just for those who may not know, um, are you guys going to be taking any pointers from what the NFL did? Or in your opinion, did the NFL take pointers from what the CFL did in the past? <laughs> Well, probably a bit of both, right? I mean, the CFL has been kind of, you know, doing the draft this way, you know, the teams, uh, not necessarily being at home, generally the teams get to be in their own uh, facilities and go through this, but, 
you know, even in those situations, you're going to get times where uh, certain members of the organization are in other locations and they offer the information from there, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's some synergies. I mean, there's only so much we can take from what they're doing. Obviously, we were watching, but uh, just in terms of the number of people and, and elements, I'm not sure we're going to necessarily be able to offer that amount of volume, but hopefully the content and, and debrief and what comes out of the box is still uh, fairly positive and productive. For sure. And when you, you look at the, the overall draft stuff before we get into Cliff gets into specifics, um, how would you rank the, the upcoming uh, 2020 draft versus some in the past? Well, I, you know, I'm not sure the top end of this draft necessarily as good as some of the others. There have been, you know, probably two of the last three have been quite good in terms of top end guys that can make an early impact. When you look at the six guys that are, that are guaranteed to at least be in an NFL training camp, you know, it's affected that a little bit. And I think there were more guys that got signed to actual contracts versus simply getting a minicamp invite. I mean, I think a couple of the guys that got signed in a normal year might have not gotten more than a minicamp invite. But, um, you know, teams were able to make a bit more of a, a leap, and so that'll affect their draft stock. That said, I do believe this is probably a deeper draft than most classes. And, and I think, uh, you know, you can find a guy in the third maybe even the fourth round that could eventually develop into more than just a special teams guy. So, so I don't want to be critical of the draft by saying the high end isn't as high, right. but I, I do think there's a lot more depth along the way. So that, that certainly speaks well for the, the overall quality and depth of the draft. For sure. Cliff. Now this year, obviously things are a little bit different because of this whole global pandemic. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, for example, this year, the CFL canceled all of their combine activities. So now teams, like, teams now have to pretty much rely on, uh, like scouting reports from the year before and YouTube highlights and basically general word of mouth. Like, how do you think that's going to affect things when it comes to making those selections? Well, I, I think teams are probably going to be a little more standard in their selections. I think people are going to be less inclined to kind of go off the board a little bit uh, to get a guy they know really well, because they may not know a lot of guys really well. Um, you know, I talked to one uh, head coach today who's quite involved in his draft and has been most years, not just this one. And he said, that, you know, I, I hate not being able to see guys. I hate not being able to meet guys in person. Generally, the mistakes I make or we make as an organization are when we draft players we haven't seen and had a chance to, to talk to and, and do some form of evaluation in person. So there was the Eastern draft, so that helps those guys a little bit. But there wasn't the full, sorry, the Eastern combine, I should say. There wasn't the full combine this year or the Western uh, and the other two regions as well. So it will affect some of those guys. I think it also hurts. You know, you saw in the NFL draft, the small school guys got hurt. There were only eight guys that got drafted in the entire 255 picks that did not play division one FCS football, uh, sorry, FBS football, uh, the FCS div two, div three, those small college guys who normally get an opportunity did not get that opportunity this time because there were no pro days and you know, there were no in-person visits and this kind of thing. So, I think there'll be a bit of that. You know, in the past, there were guys that went to the regional events that might not have gone to the main combine that were still able to come in for each team's regional combine and do those types of things, and you could get to know them a bit better. That's just become harder. So one thing I like about it is just that guys will get evaluated based on their football, and teams don't necessarily overthink it. You will get evaluated on your game film, what you do as a football player, as opposed to what you do on a broad jump and a 40 test, right? And you know, I, I do think that when you talk to teams at the Combine every year, they'll sit there and tell you, oh, we know what we like, we know what we want, this is just a couple of extra, you know, and, and you hear that where teams kind of act like they're so above the fray 
and it's nonsense because they do put a lot of stock in the combine. Even the one-on-ones, people put a lot of stock in. They won't admit it, but you'll see it. You know, I use an example of a guy like uh, Kweku Boateng for the Edmonton Eskimos, who was a really highly regarded player, you know, among the top guys in the, in the CFL scouting bureau that year, he had a terrible combine. He was awful in one-on-ones and it really dropped him in the draft, but look, he's a pretty good player anyway. Right. So I just think that mm-hmm. if you evaluate guys based on their football ability, you're always going to be farther ahead. Okay. And also this year, the Montreal Alouettes now have a new general manager that's going to be taking part in the draft in Danny Machocha, someone who does mm-hmm. know U sports pretty well. Uh, how do you think he's going to fare with his first draft as not his first draft ever, but his first draft as Alouette's general manager. I think it'll give him a big advantage. I don't think there's any question about it, especially as it comes to players in the RESQ, right? Because he knows those guys intimately. And I was on the call yesterday. I'm sure you guys were on it as well. And, you know, I asked him about uh, not just a player like Mark Antoine Duquois that he coached and knows extremely well, but also guys like, you know, Adam O'Claire and Kitelasi and, and some of these other guys that he's just got a real first-hand look at, right? And he'll know the other players in the area, in the East, and some from, you know, he's had a long playoff run, so he's also had exposure to guys that have played in the West. And I think he'll have a better sense watching guys up close and personal and breaking down extensive film as an opposing coach uh, that, uh, you know, more so than, than a lot of the other guys will have. So I, I think he's at a definite advantage. Do you think that there's going to be pressure on his end to draft only players from Quebec? Not only, but I think he will draft a few from there. And I, I just think people draft where they're comfortable. You know, and not only that, I think they draft where they believe guys might be more inclined to sign the second contract, right? Which has become more and more prevalent in the CFL that if you're flipping a coin between an Ontario guy and a Western guy and you happen to be the, the you know, the coach or the GM of the Edmonton Eskimos, you're probably going to be more inclined to take the Western guy because you think you can get him on a second contract because he's close to home and you're not basically developing a guy so he can go back to his hometown team. So I think that is is definitely a factor. And, you know, look, there's always a certain level of francophone pressure for the Alouette's GM. That's just a reality, right? So um, I I think, yeah, I think he will be inclined to, to take some of those guys, no question. But, I mean, look, Danny's not... Danny's not stupid. He knows good football players, and and if the he's going to make the right decision for his football team, and if it, if there happens to be a choice to be made, would he lean to a, to a Q guy? Yeah, I think he would. All right. And as far as this year's draft class goes, uh, just based on what you've seen so far, obviously you got names like Chase Claypool and Neville uh, Gallimore, who are now going to be NFL superstars, no doubt. Uh, Who's the one player in this draft that you could sort of look at just right away and say, wow, this guy is definitely going to be a CFL player? Well, I think uh, a couple that jump out to me right away is, is Thomas Jack Cordilla, the offensive lineman from the University of Buffalo. And uh, Jordan Williams is the guy everybody's talking about, the linebacker from East Carolina. Now, you know, I, I think the, the lure of a guy like Jordan is the, the ability to change a ratio, right? And he's a He's a, you know, a really, really talented athlete who played the game at a high level and, and played the game well at a high level. But at the same time, he also hasn't played uh, Canadian football at all, so there's an adjustment. And he hasn't played any football for the last two years, which adds to the adjustment factors. So, you know, I know people are comparing him to Alex Singleton because they have similar stories, but it's not a reasonable comparison only because Singleton was around the NFL and, and was playing in, you know, in preseasons and in training camps and on practice rosters. And he was bouncing around a little bit. So he was a little more football fresh, even though he hadn't, you know, been in a, in an actual regular season game, 
that when he came here, he could make a bit more of an impact. I, I think there's going to be a bit of an adjustment for Jordan. Could he be a ratio guy eventually? Yes. Now, a guy like Thomas Jacardilla, the offensive lineman, I think he's the most plug-and-play guy that's out there right now. He's a guy that's from Montreal, uh, played at the University of Buffalo, as I mentioned, but he has been a four-year starter. He's played in 47 games in the last four years, starting 40 of them, and he's played at a really high level. So he's got to get reacclimated to the Canadian game. He's also got to get uh, a little more proficient in his pass blocking because he's been in a very run-dominant offense at the University of Buffalo. But that the one guy who can plug and play today in this draft, I believe, that could walk in and be a day-one starter is Thomas Jacardillo. So I think those are the two guys that really jump out at me. But you know, there, there's going to be some others that uh, that'll be able to play early as well. Well, going on top of what Cliffy just asked you, who do you who do you possibly see as a, as the sleeper of the draft? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> You know what? I'll tell you what. The guy that I really like as a sleeper in this draft is Travel Pinto, uh, who's a receiver from the University of British Columbia. And, and that's not because, you know, I'm out west and he's out west. I mean, he's a player that's from Ontario and, and was a really uh, eye-popping athlete when he was back there before he came to UBC. But he's a guy that stock has really dropped because of what happened a year ago, right? He failed a drug test. And he had to basically sit out for an entire year of football and... Um, you know, get humbled on a lot of levels and then just has that rust factor of not having played for a year and that'll push him down in the draft. But when you look at his measurables and his explosive athleticism, uh, and I look at the other receivers in the class, boy, I think this guy could be a real, real find for somebody that gets him. And he probably doesn't go until around the third round. He's also a guy that even at the professional level can be an impact guy in the return game. Uh, so, what you know, when you look at receivers, I like him a lot. And, and I think that he could uh, definitely... Um, you know, make uh, make an impact. Um, you know, in in terms of real sleepers, you know, it's it, it's hard to say. You know, because so much of that is based on on opportunity. I mean, I can't sit here and say a guy like Adam O'Clair is going to be a sleeper. Everybody knows who he is, and it's just a case of finding the right position for him. But uh, I think that's the one guy that's kind of not in your top twenty. You wouldn't have thought much about him last year coming out of U Sports because he didn't play. But I think he could be a pretty good player. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, too, is considering I'm sure Alouette fans know our status when it comes to first-round draft picks over the next couple of years based on what happened uh, with the whole Johnny Manziel trade, in your opinion, do you think Machocho would pull the trigger and uh, to to get a first-round draft pick, or do you think he'll just just wait? No, you know, the first-round pick is in play, and I do know the teams have been asking about it. I can't tell you for sure Montreal has. I did ask Danny yesterday. On his uh, conference call, is there a player worth trading up for? And he he said, yeah, there are a couple that you'd want to go up and get. But I think sometimes whenever there's a deep draft, it eliminates trades. So if you look at the NFL draft last Thursday, you know, you look at, for example, uh, the receiver position. Everybody talked about it being an exceptional receiver class. But, you know, and and there there were 18 players that had top 100 grades and 12 or 13 players that had first round grades. Well, what happened? You didn't see a receiver get picked until number 12. Why? Because people felt, you know, we can still get a really good one a little bit later on, right? So I think when you have a draft that's deep and not necessarily an obvious player at the top end, I think you're less likely to see trades. But I, I also think you are able to then make a trade for less. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. if you're Calgary um, and you've got one of three guys you're you're happy to pick, you don't mind flipping down to five or six or somewhere along the way. I mean, you know, you might not want to go all the way to 14 where Montreal is, but you don't mind making a little bit of a move because you still believe you're going to get a a pretty decent player if you don't think there's a guy that's going to come in and step in and help you right away. Right. 
Cliff. All right. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit here. Uh, you've been hosting the CFL draft uh, for a number of years now. What led to mm. it being you as the host of this uh, particular event? Oh, boy. I, I bribed some people, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, you, you know what? Honestly, like I've just got a real passion for football, number one, right? So I've coached high school football for about the last 30 years and mm-hmm. 32 years to be exact. So, um, you know, and when we first started doing the draft as a full broadcast, we had two panels, right? Uh, so we had a, a front panel, which was our regular CFL on TSM panel. And they really talked a lot about team needs. And it was just a chance for them to talk CFL again, essentially. And then we had a secondary panel, which I hosted. And we had, you know, myself and Dwayne Ford and some other football people, coaches and things like that. And we would actually break down the prospects. And then, you know, we do the first two rounds on television. And then we do the rest of it as a live production online. And then they'd get rid of the first panel. And because they'd be done talking about league issues. And then we would be the main panel. So it started there. And they wanted me to host that second panel just because I could kind of speak the language and I had a sense of who some of these players were, whereas our main panel, their focus was the teams in the league, not really the players themselves. So then eventually we, we converted it to just the one panel and I, I guess they were happy with what I was doing. And, you know, Dwayne and I have pretty good synergy. So we, they just kept me on as the main host and it's, it's good, right? I mean, I don't get a chance to host a lot, so I really enjoy it uh, a tremendous amount, not just because of my passion for the league, but just to have you know a different role than I normally do at TSN. I know this year it appears that the first two rounds are going to be on TSN as per usual, but mm-hmm. uh, now switching over to CFL.ca. Uh, how do you think that's going to be? Because I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, in the past, I love watching the draft, but that switch over from the TSN coverage to the online TSN coverage was always... Uh, uh, tricky to say the least. So I, I'm. Well, yeah. I mean, we're, like we're not going to carry the. We're not going to do the other five rounds on TSN.ca, right? So before you'd see it on TSN Television, then go to TSN Online for sure. There'd be a bit of a gap there as we switched over. And now, if you want to watch the rest of the draft, you go to the league website, not TSN's website. Uh, we'll. I think I've got to double check this, but I think we might be doing round by round recaps for the later rounds. But um, in terms of actual live draft coverage after the first two hours, you'd switch it over to the league site. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is a little bit tricky, but it's a different kind of a year, no doubt. Well, I'm just, I'm really hopeful that it's a, a smooth transition because, as I said, it's, it was always tough. Like, the first two rounds are done, and you, I, I, I'm on the computer right away, ready to go for this, the, the third round, and then there's the wait, and the wait, <laughs> and the wait. And then yeah, 15 minutes so later, you're back. Gap, for sure. So. Yeah, usually we go about five to ten minutes before we can get back up and running. Uh, and by that point, you know, the next round is about half over. But, uh, uh, you know, they, they, it's just a different type of production when you take it online. So they, it, it's, you know, I, I'd love to be able to tell you I can speak the technical side of it and why we don't just roll right over. But, um, you know, I, I think if you just go to the league site this time around, they will already be in their broadcast. You can just kind of pick it up and go. Well, I'm, I'm definitely curious to see how it's going to work because it's, Definitely interesting to see them go from one platform to another. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I definitely hope uh, everything goes as smoothly as possible when it comes to that. When you look at your history and in, in doing the draft, Farhan, and you look at what we're up against and what the world is up against now with the coronavirus, um, how do you think that it's going to impact what your what the draft will be like this year? Because obviously, if the, these guys get drafted. And there is no season for whatever reason. You know, it, it, the CFL decides to completely shut it down. Um, how, how do you think that's going to affect these players going forward? 
Uh, well, I mean, look, I think it's going to have a negative effect. There, I mean, there's no way around that. Certainly they can spend a year getting bigger, stronger, faster for next year. But now you're going to go into a rookie class next year that's twice the size because we're still going to have next year's draft. So yeah. there'll be two draft classes going into the 2021 season. So it's double the competition and not double the roster spots. So it's absolutely going to hurt these players, right? I mean, will they be more prepared for next year's draft? Potentially. You know, right now they would go into a season it would be a harder year for them to make a team, right? Because they're just not going to be as physically prepared, number one, because they haven't been training like they normally would. Number two, if there is a season, there's certainly not going to be a full training camp or a full preseason, right? I mean, we, you know, I've speculated that you're going to get, you know, seven to ten days of camp and we're going to go into week one, right? Like, you know, then you'll be into your first practice week. So you're not going to get the full amount of time that you normally do with two exhibition games where you can properly get evaluated. And, and teams are going to be so much more inclined to just have veterans that understand what it takes to be a pro. So I think, you know, on some levels, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot harder. But on other levels, if there is a season, it would be, it would be difficult for them to make the team, right? So there's two ways to look at it. They, those players could say, look, win-win. Now I can actually get a, you know, at some point, the virus and the effects of it are going to be scaled back a little bit and I can do regular training. So I'll be more ready for the season, but double the competition and a year off of football doesn't help you. Right. Right. Man, mm-hmm. being, being what you said, by the way, um, do you think that the CFL and the CFLPA would actually look at the possibility of expanding the, um, uh, ex- expanding the, you know, the different, the rosters themselves, whether it be the practice roster or the roster itself, just because of the, uh, of the possible circumstances with the, with the, with COVID. I do believe they'll ex- they would expand practice rosters this year. So appreciate that normally in September the CFL expands practice rosters anyway once NFL cuts happen, right? Right. right. So theoretically, if we don't start till September, there's no reason not to expand the roster at the front end of it, right? Like if the if the league doesn't kick off until Labor Day, uh, I think they would. Yeah, and I mean I think the way everything will be set up, you're you're really lending yourself to more injuries, and so you better have more players in the queue ready to go, and you're going to want more evaluation time on some of these guys anyway in a practice roster setting. So, yeah, I, I do believe practice rosters would get expanded for any form of season this year. Cliff. Fantastic. Well, Farhan, I mean, you you certainly said it all. You certainly gave us a lot more insight as to what's going on. Uh, as far as uh, this Thursday goes, uh, I'm as I said, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm a bit of a draft junkie, so I'm definitely looking forward to the coverage, seeing what the Alouettes do. And uh, once again, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, where can we find you on social media? Uh, at Farhan TSN for both Twitter and Instagram. And uh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, welcome to my house on Thursday. All right, we can't wait. Yep. <laughs> Take care. Bye. I, I can't remember how many how many people we've had on the past when it comes to uh, the draft itself. I know you yourself have been a very strong proponent in trying to get out of as much information. But having the actual guy who's going to be a you know uh, the you know the, the lead uh, contributor or one of the lead contributors to the draft itself coming up, it was hearing what Farhan had to say about the upcoming draft and and the Owls also was uh, very insightful. Absolutely. I, 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 I can't thank Farhan enough for coming on just to share a lot of his expertise and wisdom as far as the CFL draft goes. I mean, year in and year out, he's pretty much right there on, on the front lines. Just he sees the talent that's coming into the league and being able to help navigate that for so let's, let's face it. A lot of CFL fans, I don't think I don't want to say don't care about the draft, but it's just maybe they're just not as educated as they could or should be when it comes to new players coming into their respective football teams. And Farhan does a great job as far as 
sort of let you know who these players are, where they played, what makes them so special, and why each particular team is going after and drafting that particular player. So for him to be able to just spend a few minutes with us to share some of that insight with us and gives us sort of a sort of a peek behind the curtain, if you will. Uh, we can't thank him enough. And as always, uh, Farhan, anytime you want to come back on the Alouette's Flight Deck and chat some more football with us, the invitation is always there. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, and and, and I've, as, as I've said before, I, I am not a, a draft junkie. Uh, you know, I, I have no promise thing that I, I just love to watch football and see the guys who we get and, and how we get them. Um, but uh, from what you have seen also and what you've written in your in your draft preview, Cliff, um, what do you think the Alouettes need more? What positions do they do they really need to draft compared to others? As far as I'm concerned, uh, we, uh, well, Danny Machocha talked about this during his introductory presser is improving the defensive line. And it's, it's true. Like, yes, he made quite a few moves in free agency. He's bringing in some talent there, both national and American talent, as far as trying to who see who can compete on his defensive line. But draft-wise, there's some definite studs out there that uh, he would be wise to be taking a look at. Uh, one in particular that I, I'm very high on, and he knows him very well, too, is Brian Herlimana. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, he played. Played. Uh, Danny Machocha coached this guy. He, he literally coached him just a few months ago at the Vanier Cup. Yeah, uh, he's a he's a linebacker, but uh, he could also we could also move him more towards the edge as well, onto the defensive line. And let me tell you, this guy. Like, I'm gonna. If you go to the alternative, you'll see. Like, I've got highlight reels of a lot of these players that I'm very focused on. You got to see his, his highlight tape. Holy moly, this guy is hard hitting. He makes plays happen. Uh, again, he was. He's got that championship experience, so to speak. Like, no, he did not win the Vanier Cup, but he's played in Vanier Cup games. Uh, two-time All-Canadian. I mean, this guy, his resume just speaks for himself. I mean, this this kid is a true stud. Like, I would be floored. If he's available in the, the second or third round where Montreal gets to pick, I'd honestly be very surprised if Danny didn't just look back and like, hey, I know this guy. I, I know <laughs> I know what he brings to the table. Hell yeah, I'm taking this kid. Yeah. Now you uh, saying that, and I know you brought it up with with, uh, uh, with Farhan, but um, and it's something that you and I have commented on when we were at the the presser for the introduction of Danny Machocha as our as our new GM. But uh, um, what what I know you asked Farhan, but I want to know your thoughts when it comes to uh, how many uh, how many do you think Danny would is only going to center on uh, on players from Quebec. I know that seems to be the narrative. I, I think that's what a lot of people are expecting him to do. And I'm sure there's a lot of fans that are hoping that's all he's going to do is draft players from Quebec. I don't think it's necessarily a great strategy because even though Quebec does produce some very, very talented football players, uh, you cannot put all your eggs in that particular basket. And I want to believe, I really, truly want to believe that Machocha has been in U sports now for close to a decade. Uh, he's, He's seen a lot of talent. He's seen a lot of guys come and go, not just in Quebec itself, but also throughout the rest of Canada. He's got to know who's out there and who would be a great fit for the Alouettes. So my hope is that, yeah, of course he's going to take one or two, maybe even three players or four, as far as like Quebec-born players. Right. I, I want to believe he's not drafting them solely because they're born in Quebec or they've played football in Quebec. I want to believe... In my heart of hearts, that he is definitely taking the best available talent when it becomes, when it, when it's his turn to, to draft a player. I'm really believing that he's going after the best position players, regardless of where they're born. That being said, though, there are definitely some great 
like Quebec born talent, you'd be if they're there, you'd be stupid not to take them. But I have a feeling too that a lot of the other teams in the league are also kind of looking at Laval and Montreal as like the football powerhouses that they are, and they'll be reading those coffers too. So, it, as as much pressure as there might be on Machocha to draft Quebec born players, a lot of these players may not even be there by the time Machocha is ready to deal. Because by again, we talked we talked with Farhad about uh, the possibility of the Alouettes straying into it back into the first round, right? One, what would they be giving up in order to do so? And two, who would they be going after? Would they be doing that just to draft a player from Quebec? I sincerely hope not, unless they're convinced in their heart of hearts that this player is an absolute dominant player who can start right away and be a star in this league for years to come. Uh, To me, I don't know if there's a player out there from Quebec that is like that, but again, that's why we're we're fans on a podcast and the, uh, the, the front office you, you got to hope and pray that they, they, they and their scouting staff know exactly what they're doing when it comes to questions like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I asked, uh, and, and I, I know you watched the CFL draft, uh, sorry, the NFL draft quite a bit. Oh, and I know you've watched the, them doing the, the, the online stuff recently. What, what are you looking and what are you expecting for, for the draft coming up this week? Uh, well, I mean, everybody's at home, right? So <laughs> it's going to be, it's, it's really going to be interesting because yeah, normally all the nine teams, they get together at their facilities, kind of like set up with their own sort of war room, if you will, and decide you know who they want to go with and make their selections. But now it's all going to be done from home. Kind of sim- I, I don't know if they're going to have the same kind of coverage that the NFL draft had as, you know, we could take a peek inside, uh, John Huffnagel's living room, if we could take a look inside uh, Kyle Walter's living room in Winnipeg or Machocha's living room here in Montreal, I don't know if we're going to have that quite kind of access, but it's definitely going to be interesting, at least watching all the uh, the folks at TSN and eventually on CFL.ca. And that's going to be a new thing this year is the first two rounds are going to be broadcast on TSN. Yep. The later rounds, instead of going to TSN.ca, which has always been a challenge uh, to try and get that going over as smoothly as possible, now you're going to be going over to CFL.ca to watch the remainder of the draft. I, I, I'm curious to see how that's going to go because, as I said, in the past, there's been some technical issues for that switchover from the live TV portion to the online portion. I sincerely hope that they've taken note of this over the years and figured out a way to sort of minimize that sort of lag in between, I think it's the, the end of the second round and the start of the third round. So I'm really curious to see how they're going to pull that off, especially, too, with everything else that's been going on as far as uh, people staying at home and having to do all of this work essentially from home, as opposed to being in the office, being at the, the, the you know your your team offices and things like that. I think it's going to be a really interesting challenge, and I'm I'm very curious to see on Thursday just how the CFL and all nine teams are going to do this. I, I think it, it would have been probably the smart thing to do. Is yes, I understand that it's on TV, uh, and they're going to be having. You know, uh, why does they don't stream everything also on CFL.ca? They are, you know, TSN is their is their you know is their partner. So just stream it both. That way, there won't be real any any. You would think that there wouldn't be any issues with the turnaround itself. You know, with the actual changeover. But I don't think that's 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 not what they're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it, like I said, it's going to be interesting because this is the first time that the CFL website itself is going to be hosting the remainder of the draft. So I'm, I'm definitely curious. Uh, I, I mean, I'd be tuning in no matter what. But I'm, I'm really curious to see too just how many fans are going to follow from TSN onto the Canadian Football League website to watch the remainder of the draft. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, while we're on the topic of uh, players, though, there's a couple other players I want to mention that I think would be. And like I said, folks, please, if you get a chance, go over to the alternative.com. You will see the draft preview there. There are highlight reels. I want you to take a look at these players and just see why. I would really be excited to see these. I, I'm not guaranteeing these players will be selected by the Alouettes, but I sincerely hope that the, they, you know, the, the, the Alouettes have done the same kind of research that I've done. And I kind of hope that they agree that, hey, these guys definitely deserve a chance and they would definitely look great in blue and red. Uh, one other need that I think that Montreal needs to address is running back uh, because national talent wise, Montreal's a little thin. Uh, there's a young man from the University of York, Caden Johnson. Tim, you've got to see this guy run. Oh, yeah. He is fast as lightning okay. and very hard to tackle, too. That's the other thing. He's he's a track star, so that's where the speed comes from. But you try to tackle this guy. I mean, you can't, ta- you can't tackle what you can't catch, right? And this guy is he, – he's hard to catch. That's the thing. He's, gonna, <laughs> he's going to run all over people. Uh, definitely check this guy out. He was actually named York University's Male Athlete of the Year in 2018. I mean, the pedigree on this guy is fantastic. I, I think there's a high ceiling for him. I would definitely, definitely like to see him in Alouette's colors. Okay. Uh, okay. Another name. Uh, it's kind of a, kind of an, uh, what do you call it? Outside the, outside the box link. Cause we, we talked about this earlier in the show is that the last thing we need is another wide receiver. Right. Right. Especially national, because we've got some really great national receivers. We've got Malcolm Carter. We've got Kion Julian Grant. I've got Chris Osei uh, Felix Faubert Lucier. We've got we've got no shortage of decent potential when it comes to the national receivers position. So you want to might say to yourself, okay, between that and the American receivers that we've got, do we really need another national receiver? I'm gonna say yes. There is a young man from the University of Waterloo, Tyler Turnowski. This guy. You, you you want to talk about the prototypical slot back in the Canadian Football League? This guy is it. You talk like names like Ben Cahoon and Jason Claremont. He is of that same vein. Oh. Incredible hands, a, a playmaker for days. Like this guy, like you take a look at his film. This guy just makes catches left, right, and center. Like I could see Vernon Adams just threading the needle to this guy, and he just hauls it in for ten yards, if not more. I mean, th- this is a guy that you you put him in the right offense, he's going to make plays happen. And I'm I'm thinking that do we need another wide receiver on the surface? No. But I would not be mad to see the Alouettes go after this guy in later rounds if he's available. I, I don't know if he will be, but uh, if he's there in like the fifth or sixth round, oh my gosh, yeah, definitely. You, you may not you think you need another wide receiver, but you take a look at this kid's film. And yeah, as I said, the perfect slot back as far as I'm concerned. You've definitely got to get, get, get your eyes on his film. Take a look at what he does. Very impressive. Uh, nice. Now, if you were to choose one more that you wanted to to really uh, highlight, because obviously you don't want to give everything away that you're going to be putting out on the on your on your blog, what do you, what, what's that other person? Uh, another name that really jumped out at me uh, again, uh, Sam. Again, I, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing these names right, but uh, Sam Ashapong played for the University of uh, Wilfrid Laurier. This guy, you want to talk about a defensive lineman, like someone who is going to maybe replace a John Bowman when he does decide to call it a career? This is the guy. He's fast. He's physical, aggressive. I mean, this guy plays with a chip on his shoulder. Like, he has that that high energy. Like, he gets to the quarterback. He's like a heat-seeking missile. Like, he blows right past offensive linemen and just goes after the football. Whoever has the football, that's where he's going. 
yeah, just watching his film just is unbelievable. The caliber, like he's got such a high motor and he just doesn't stop. Like, it, like his goal is to get to whoever has the football. And if you're the quarterback and you still have not thrown that ball, guess what? This guy is going to get in your grill and you are not going to like it. And that's the kind of guy that we need on this uh, defensive line here in Montreal. He would not look out of place lining up with uh, some of the guys that we have. Uh, I, I tell you what. And again, you, you think about the future of this team when it comes to defensive line. Guys like Nathaniel Anderson and Bo Banner. You put Sam on this line with those guys and you still have John Bowman. there mentoring these guys. And eventually he's going to have to pass the torch to one of these youngsters, whether it's Anderson or Banner. I think Ashapong, if you put him in there, you give him a chance to sort of sit under the learning tree of John Bowman. I mean, the, any worries, any concerns that you have about being able to reach the quarterback, the opposing quarterback, and put him on the ground, those those worries will be taken care of right quick with this with superstar in the making. Cool. Well, I, I, as I said, I'll probably tune in probably for the first round or maybe see, and see who, at least in the second round who the Alouettes are going to pick up. But um, again... Uh, with with uh, TSN and uh, the CFL partnering on this thing, let's hopefully the transition over will be fine. And and, and super fans like yourself, uh, super draft fans like yourself, Cliff, won't have to w- wait too long in order to see uh, uh, you know the third round on. So, no, I I'm really curious to see how the transition goes. It'll, it'll definitely be interesting. I mean, it'll be the first year, so I guess we have no choice but to sort of give them a little bit of leeway as far as. It goes. I mean, Lord knows over the past few years, you just sort of come to accept the fact that the minute the TSN broadcast is done, even though you got your laptop there on the TSN website, you're ready to go. You just refresh, 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 and you're still waiting, still waiting. Then, as I said, 15, 20 minutes later, boom, there you go. And you're halfway through the third round and everybody's just playing catch up at that point. I really <laughs> hope, I really hope that won't be the case this year, that they just sort of ease into it without any sort of, uh, technical errors or just any sort of lag really because that's the unfortunate part is you you just want to see who your team's going to draft and to have to sit and wait for a webcast to to get online in order to do so it it, it's tough and i think that turns off a lot of people as well because you i i really want to believe that people are curious to see how the draft goes but when you have hiccups like this like i can especially too like Maybe this year it'll be different because there's no playoff hockey to worry about. There's no baseball to worry about or NBA to, you know, like I'm sure a lot of fans have just been like, well, F this. If the, the broadcast doesn't work for the draft and they'll yeah. just tune in and watch the, the Stanley Cup playoffs or they'll watch the NBA playoffs. You know, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't blame them. But now you've got sort of a captive audience, if you will, with everybody staying at home. And there's really not a whole else, not a lot else sports wise to be watching right now. So. Tune into the draft. See where you're. See how the future of your team is going to go, and if TSN and CFL can knock this out of the park, so to speak, as far as a, a smooth, easy transition from round to round to round, maybe you'll you will you'll have a few more people that just renew their their interest in not just Canadian football but in the draft process as well. Yep, exactly. And also, we before we go to, we want to remind everybody after the uh, it's great having back to back CFL encore weeks. Don't forget. Uh, the two Saskatchewan Great Cup games will be broadcast this Friday, if you are listening to it. So it will be uh, the 1st, May 1st. Uh, you'll be seeing the, the two the two most recent uh, Alouettes and the uh, you know, Great Cup wins over what was a, a very, very, uh, and still to this day, I think, uh, the interesting rivalry between the Alouettes 
and the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So, uh, gotta watch those. Hey, it's 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 content, baby. It's content. It is, and I'm pretty sure that the folks in Saskatchewan, as much as they love their football, as much as they want to, you know, soak up as much as they can CFL wise, I'm sure they wouldn't be. Uh, for this particular weekend, I'm sure they're hoping for a blackout. But um, <laughs> I think it's probably it, one of the one of the few weekends where Saskatchewan fans won't be watching their team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do not forget, uh, we are on social media. You can find us at Alouette's FL Deck. Also, if you want to listen to any of the uh, historical pods of the Flight Deck, you can do so by heading over to uh, ca uh, to uh, Apple podcasts google play music stitcher and spotify uh, once again thanks for uh uh for farhan lounge for for joining us to talk about the draft uh, and mm-hmm. thanks cliff for setting it up it's uh you know we're, we, if one of us isn't setting something up here we wouldn't have anybody on the show so greatly appreciate it either way um so uh stay tuned as cliff said at the beginning of the show we got some very interesting podcasts coming up uh even though there isn't you know current cfl Content that's going to be broadcast uh, after the draft itself uh, beyond the CFL Encores. But Alouettes-wise, stay tuned. Uh, I think the next couple episodes are going to be uh, ones that you will have to listen to. So uh, I think you'll agree with me on that one, Cliff. <laughs> oh, yeah. As, as the kids say, it's going to be lit. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that anymore. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm blaming it on the quarantine. We'll, okay, we'll, just, okay, we'll, we'll call it quarantine. That sounds good. <laughs> So uh, for everybody here at Alouette's Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Ron, final approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.